Welcome to I Come As One, a podcast co-hosted by Black women on a mission to build community on the foundation of our culture and authenticity while holding ourselves and others accountable for championing our success and well-being. Thanks for tuning in to our empowering conversations about workplace trauma, career and business development, personal and professional growth, and so much more. Head on over to IComeAsOne.com for all of the links to watch episodes on YouTube, follow us on social media, and join our 10K community. Hope you enjoy this episode. Always with love, Fatima, Kristen, and Sean. On this episode of I Come As One, we're celebrating Pride Month with our absolute fave, Dr. Kareem Willis. He's a leader, scholar, activist, and a proud member of the LGBTQ community. Kareem is giving us a lesson on how to show up and show out. It's all about crushing boundaries and norms to safely be what he calls your whole ass self. Tune in now and head over to IComeAsOne.com for the complete episode guide. If you'd like to say hey or leave a comment, reach out at hello at IComeAsOne.com. Hey friends, welcome back to I Come As One. And today is even more exciting. I know we say that all the time, but I'm truly excited because we have a dear friend. And I think we also tend to say that everyone is an original member of the 10K community, but Kareem is definitely getting that title today. So I'm not even sure if the co-hosts know, but I met Kareem uh, before Compa in 2020. Mm -hmm. So it was like, picture it, uh, Brooklyn, winter (laughs) in Brooklyn, New York at uh, Long Island University. And I had completed my dissertation research. I was still writing up chapters four and five but I took a chance and did a poster presentation at the Northeast Conference of Public Administration. So I'm standing there, they're old school. They still use like cardboard posters on easels. So I'm standing there (laughs) at my little poster and here comes Kareem and he just uh, talked to me and made me feel so comfortable in that presentation. And I don't think we stayed in touch after that, but when we came to Compa a few months later, you know how it is, it was like, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you again. And that's when we transition to what we have today. And so we have to credit him with being a part of our partnership because he was um, just like so engaged in that conference of minority public administrators and really Mm -hmm. keeping that focus and energy on young professionals and making that organization more progressive. So all of that to say, Hi <laughs> and welcome. Uh, yes, yes. Thanks for having me. It feels good to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting and me. I, I, I could not, uh, we can't go on without the most important thing to say congratulations to the new Dr. Willis. <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. Why didn't you tell me what's so good over here? I'd have been finished. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yes, there's life after. <laughs> I'm Y'all are my ready. inspiration. So almost there. Listen, on, one son. more year. Come on, one son. More year. Yes. Yes. 
And we can work that into the conversation because it's a testimony involved, no matter how easy it was or how difficult it was. Everyone who has been on that PhD journey has a testimony for sure. So um, I gave that whole introduction, but I would love for you, Kareem, to just introduce yourself to the I Come As One audience. Hey, everyone. Thanks for, again, thanks for inviting me to be on here and be a part of the podcast, be on the 10K community. I've been listening. I'm all caught up with the exception of the most recent one. I'm all caught up. Um, of course, I love bottomless mimosas. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> love a good kiki. Um, but to everyone listening, my name is Kareem, Dr. Kareem Williams. Yes, yes. put some respect on it. Right. Pronouns are he or they. I use them interchangeably. Um, just finished my PhD in public administration and trying to figure out life after this PhD, but I'm going to take the um, summer to live a little and take a yes. little break. Much deserved. Uh, right, right. And then after that, I'll go into all the academic stuff and postdoc and setting up my consultancy and so on. And it's so interesting you tell me that story, Fatima, because you, um, there was something about your presence that I like. Like, y'all know Fatima. She is yes. fabulous, like fabulous, right? Yeah. And I saw her and I was just like, oh, I got to talk to her. Like, she looks like <laughs> I need to know. I think she was wearing like, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we were like a leather bomber jacket that had like a fur. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Whatever it was, she was looking fly. That is, and then her research was also very um, interesting. Um, and I was just like, okay. And she was telling me, I was like, okay, we should keep in touch. And then we met up at Comp and it was like, hey, cousin. Yes, yes. So I do have a photo of that moment that I'll put in the show notes. I'm standing up there talking and you and another guy are just like listening intently. So be sure to head over to www.icomeasone.com slash guide. It will be there. Oh, we need that photo from Compa too, where we tried to recreate Solange. Oh my yes. gosh! <laughs> the photo. Yes. We were in formation. We were. I think Kareem put us in formation. Like the blazer. The cape blazer. Cape. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I remember. Yes. But when you introduced yourself, Kareem, you started off by saying what your pronouns were, and if anybody has been awake in these past two years you you're hearing that more and more at your workplace or on LinkedIn or even Instagram now they have those options to put those pronouns and uh just tell us like what that means and why it's important well it's really one of those simple a simple acknowledgement of people's right and choice to be and identify how they choose to identify right and to use words and descriptors that are accurate to how they're feeling. And so when we talk about pronouns, we're really talking about gender identity, which is different from sexual orientation and um, biological sex and all those things. It's really just a way to affirm people um, and their choices as to how they choose to express um, the way that they identify. So I use he, they interchangeably because I'm, I consider myself gender fluid, gender queer, gender non-conforming, essentially saying I don't subscribe to any one particular traditional or like um, normalized understanding of gender and so on. So if you see my nails, I have long nails, they're bedazzled out, it's pink and blue. Last week, all the colors of the rainbow. Um, You might see me in four inch heels, you might see me in um, loafers, you might see me in slacks, you might see me in a dress or a skirt. Um, And so I easily move between them. And so I think for me, um, I don't have a problem being 
addressed as he, especially in spaces where people, I like to use he because it ruffles, it, it challenges people's understanding of gender and gender identity. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so when they see me like wait, you're a man, you identify as man, you have no facial hair, you have long nails. Why do you still identify as a man? Are you trying to be a woman? I'm like, no, I'm not trying to be a woman. I'm just trying to be. And then I use they because I feel like it more accurately describes like my back and forth between the mm -hmm. spectrum, if you will. Right. So you have male and female over here and then people move along that spectrum. Um, and we all do it. We all yes. do it in our own like a simple act of like going to the thrift store and buying a men's a men's quote unquote um, button up shirt, right? Mm -hmm. And and wearing it with your jeans. Like we all play with gender, some some more yeah. dramatically or some more obviously than others, but we all do it. And so I use he, they um, to kind of capture my, my play with that. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. I hadn't even thought of that before. And thinking about how we're socialized to think it's normal, right? When women go for the, men's oversized t-shirt yeah. and we style it and it's fine or now what is it the um boyfriend um boyfriend jeans and boyfriend um, jeans. yeah right yeah things like that we don't even think twice to think about the fact that we're going for a fit that's traditionally made for male but you know and women used to have the skin tight curvy showing everything jeans but now we can wear whatever we want to wear so it's kind of like the same concept so thank you for that explanation and example yeah the yeah. pantsuit comes to mind <laughs> yeah. pantsuit, right right and we give it different names to kind of allow ourselves to feel comfortable like mm -hmm. my biggest gripe i'm gonna go on my soapbox for like 30 seconds my biggest gripe right now is the concept of hoochie daddy shorts <laughs> yes yes dubbed short shorts hoochie daddy shorts so that straight men could feel comfortable wearing um <laughs> wearing short shorts i'm just like baby wear your shorts Ain't right. like, let the thighs out let the thighs out wear the shorts it is you work on them hard in the gym like right. show the world yes, yes. Um, i mean we want to see too listen like i'm not complaining sir <laughs> like you go right ahead but like and the fact the fact that we had to call it hoochie daddy shorts right. so that they'll feel comfortable wearing them and shout out to the straight men or the the traditionally masculine men who've been wearing them all their lives and you know yeah. they didn't really care but with it. Yeah. the fact yeah. that we had to we have to give these things different names so that we'll feel comfortable playing with different silhouettes and different colors and so on i was thinking this morning like where it's saying oh boys could wear pink because I, I, it was present for me because all the little boys on the train this morning were looking at my nails and I was just like oh okay I know what this is I know it's like oh you're a boy but you have long nails it's pink and it's blue and it's bedazzled like what's going on mm -hmm. like, yeah, we need to normalize this like little boys could see this and be like and it has nothing to do with their sexual identity or orientation in the future but mm -hmm. that's just not to your nail tech I will never forget this right when the pandemic was happening and we caught up and you had your nails done and all the nail shops were closed and I'm like how did you get your nails done what, who do you know and you said something like girl it's just the underground nail road and I just like died literally just dropped dead yeah. And the underground nail road has been in my yeah. head ever since. <laughs> we we have to have.
have some kind of bottomless mimosas called the underground nail roll. So <laughs> yes. Talk about the nail roll. Nail roll. Yes, because just the culture of it. Remember that people did use terms like ghetto to describe these long nails. And I can't even get an appointment half the time at my nail shop because folks are lined up to get what we've already known for decades. That's the appropriation right. bit. Right. But you mentioned, uh, you described a spectrum to mm-hmm. talk about your gender identity. And that's that exact word is what we've used before to think about intersectionality. Yeah. You know, being Black, being woman, they're not broken. It's not one or the other, but you're just right. kind of moving at all times, every second, navigating yeah. that spectrum. So with that navigation, how, how has that been in these institutions like being at a, a predominantly white, college or university or in your doctoral program with these other spaces that you're in when you are breaking those norms. It's funny you mentioned the idea of nails, right? And how people perceive them in different spaces. For the longest, I've always had my nails like the very nude natural color, right? And mm-hmm. try to keep them like a moderate length and so on. And it wasn't because I necessarily favored that. I've always liked having long nails, right? It wasn't because I favored that. It's because of the institutions that I was moving into, like in academia specifically. Um, I just felt like for some reason, and it wasn't just a feeling. It was something that was, you know, one of those things that were like said, but not necessarily always like loud, but you know, you you get it. It's like moving in certain spaces into your Blackness. And then sitting at the intersection of being Black and queer, it was just like, it was, it didn't feel like something that was very readily accepted. Um, and so I was thinking about um, not necessarily the school that I went to, because my school is pretty diverse, but just the institutions that we move in. I was thinking about academia specifically, and I, was, I, I kept my nails that color because I felt like people would deem me not professional. And it wasn't until the pandemic when I really started like shedding some of those things. I'm just like, Mm-mm. like, no, I'm going to my, my nail tech has been dying to give me like just one color. He'll literally paint the pinky a different color and put one stone. And that started the revolution. I call it because I was just, like, no, no, y'all going to see this and y'all going to know it's OK. Like my nails have nothing to do with it. My queerness have nothing to do with it. Even the way I present myself at conferences and the way I, I'm, I'm going to start presenting myself at conferences, it, it, it's almost like a political statement to like, F what you thought, like this has nothing to do with my research or anything. Like I deserve to show up here and be all of me, um, just like you deserve to show up and be all of you. Cause when I got it, when I got here, I felt like I needed to, I legit went to KNG and I bought, they had like buy one, get two suits free. I kid you not, I bought a black, a gray and a navy blue suit because I felt like that's what oh I needed to Oh my God. I need that's to see you in that suit. You. I, I, I just can't picture it. It no, felt, I can't picture it. Uh, I tried it once and I was just like, I hate it here. This is not it. <laughs> Polyester. And then, so I started to like play around a little bit. Like I had my little nice little coach bag and I'd wear like my fur and I'd play, I'd, you know, buy blazers that were different colors. And so I was a grad student. I'm still a grad student. Well, not really, but I was thrifting them blazers. And I was just like, you know what? keep pushing this so when y'all see me in the, at, at the conferences in my heels and my whatnot like just know you heard it here first we're not we're not making people comfortable no more we're gonna be black yes. we're gonna be fair and we're gonna be proud we don't got time we are not and that's a good point because i remember 
just I met you at Compa and I was going to register. You pointed at something. I was like, okay, nails, but I was trying to be professional, right? So, I, <laughs> so at the conference, I'm like, I see you, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. I'm just keep it to myself. So it's good to know that you're like thinking through these things because I know in my previous company having anything other than nude nails, like it's in the handbook, like nude yeah. colored, short nails was the standard. And so the other day I did like a bright color. My friends was like, wait a minute, you put color on your nails. I am so proud of you. And I think undoing some of those things that we're taught that's normal is something we have to work on because they're still teaching in business schools that you need to do the navy black and gray suits. Mm -hmm. You're going to an interview and you have to be bland basically right. like they you teach did. you about a, a shirt color or a, a tie color that's like your power color right but right. outside of that they don't teach you to be expressive like you can still be professional and mm -hmm. so I'm curious if that experience you know we've talked about conferences has it been different from for you in the actual classroom as a student and as being you were a teacher correct like adjunct yeah. Has that been different for you in the role as teacher or as a student while you were navigating these spaces in education? Absolutely. So as a student, um, they're your peers. So it's easier to like navigate the classroom, right? The professors, mm -hmm. if they have an opinion, they don't really say much. Um, I always think to this day, the very like, I guess heterosexual professors have like this weird, there's always this weird tension and it could be me as well, but it's just this weird interaction. Just like, they don't know how to engage. Right. And I'm just like, just talk to me, like answer my question at least. Like you don't have yeah. to look so, <laughs> you don't have to look so like, um, so no, right. Um, but I do find honestly, and this is why I'm leading into it so much more that when I'm my most authentic self, I engage with my students like so much, like it, the engagement is the top tier. So my very first time teaching, again, I tried the whole like, let me not be so out there. Let me not be as queer. Let me not be so loud. Let me not, you know, let me euphemize. Let me try to tone it down a little bit. And it was such a struggle trying to connect with the students. And then the very next semester, um, I don't know, I just got dressed up and I walked into class and I heard um, one of my students go, yes, okay, professor. <laughs> That was it. That's all I needed. That was all I needed. I had an ally in the classroom. All the affirmation you needed. I love That's us. Yes. I was just like, you know what? You can't, we're not going to do that. And it was the best. That semester teaching, I think, has been my best semester teaching because I was able to just like be Kareem, right? Kareem the professor, mm -hmm. Kareem the black kid, Kareem the immigrant, Kareem the queer. Like I was able to just be all of me and somebody in that classroom it connected with. And I think just the other day, honestly, one of the... um. Um, I heard from a friend of one of my students who was telling me that they, well, not telling me, but telling my friend that apparently I was the reason they came out to their mom because they oh. like, kind of like saw who, like how I was being and they just wanted to feel that kind of freedom. freedom. So it's, I said that to say, I think it's up to us to really push back and um, normalize some other narratives. And that's why I love your podcast because that's what you guys are doing, right? Like mm -hmm. in, in your own way. It's just like we're normalizing other narratives. Like, no, yeah. it's not, it has not always been okay that we've been treating black women in particular in these spaces. And we're here to let you know that the way, you know, we're using this platform to educate and to advocate and to challenge those things with the hope that we can influence yeah. policy. And again, this morning I was thinking, I was thinking about the little boys that saw me 
I like I felt even now felt compelled to like put my hands in my pocket because I'm just like mm. I'm not about to like have y'all parents looking at me weird. But I was like, no, forget that. No, we about to <laughs> start doing it. this, right? Like, let me because like it's up to us really. Some of us not we could pick or choose which hill we're gonna die on, but. Yeah. I think when we've given certain access and certain platforms, then we have a responsibility to kind of challenge. And I'm not saying like go out there and be the martyr, but it's up to us to really kind of like challenge some of those things. And that's why I really appreciate what you guys are doing through the podcast. Well, that's awesome. That's kind to say. We appreciate uh, the feedback and the support. And it's funny that you say that because my, my heel to die on is like community, right? Like I believe everybody needs a community. You mm -hmm. might choose and pick what your community is and when you want to engage with that community. But, um, and so you spoke even about like the student um, of your friend and, you know, him just saying like, I wanted to be able to come out and be my authentic self and that type of stuff. And so I just wonder what does community look like for you in these spaces um because obviously you could connect with the one student who was like yes right like there's connection but like how does that you know sort of uh progress to be in community and I wonder just what does that look like for you um in whatever spaces you find yourself in I think I've been able to establish community because I've recognized that I contain multitudes, right? I mean, we go back to this whole idea of intersectionality. And so, and I said, because it was always hard for me to establish community. I always thought that I needed to find somebody who was LGBTQ identified and like run to that. It's just like we walk into a room, we see that one black person who do the head nod and like, okay, cool, what's up? We're like, good, you know, we're you can family, <laughs> But I think just understanding like my different identities allow me to con um, connect with different individuals um, in different spaces has really been helpful. And then prior to the show started, I was talking about the idea of, for my personal, like in my personal journey in establishing community, um, connecting with Black women. Like Black women in any space that I've been have been the most affirming, mm -hmm. um, uplifting, and friendly individuals that really makes it easier for me to be me. Um, shoot, when I was trying to get a therapist, I was talking to the, the intake person. I was like, if you got a black woman, that would be dope because <laughs> I've never felt like, I've never felt like I had to perform in front of black women, right? Yeah. And I think that's why we hit it off so much. Like with you guys, it's it just felt natural. Like I never had to come over mm -hmm. and try to be something else where I felt like if I was in a different space in a different time, I would have had to like try to read the room, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. dip yeah. your big toe into the water before you put your whole body into the pool. Um, and it's always felt natural. Actually, we had a conversation on my podcast about Black women as allies um, and how they've facilitated, like even this, like your podcast is about uplifting Black women and here I am, a Black queer man on your podcast. Like mm -hmm. you guys have always offered up space um, for people like me, and I'm gonna say me specifically, for me to just kind of like shine and be, and I'm truly grateful because you guys make community. Yes. Get your shine on. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think, I, I think uh, we certainly appreciate that. And it really helps keep us honest because we've had a conversation like, okay, we're saying women, does that leave out our brothers, sisters, friends in LGBTQ communities? Right. 
And to hear you say that is so refreshing. And I, I'm thinking to your point about Black women being champions for you is because we've had to endure. And so there's that natural compassion there because we know the struggle. And with yeah. any movement from way back, you, you know, think about Me Too as a more recent example, but even on back with Ida B. Wells and whatever, Black women have had to be at the forefront of getting things done, of fighting for civil rights, for gender, equal rights, everything. And it's just almost, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that bond, that compassion, that understanding comes from being in the trenches, honestly, and knowing what that pain is like and not wanting to inflict that on others. Because right. it, to Kristen's point earlier, it's, it's almost like an unveiling and unlearning that's happening now. And we are just tired of inflicting, having harm inflicted upon us and we certainly don't want to perpetuate that cycle. Most of us, we know it's a couple, but. <laughs> but I also think like Kareem having, um, I think something that we may also see in like LGBTQ community, right? Like, like there's a, often a point where you say, you know what, I need to, I need to show up as how I feel. I, I'm going to show like where you can take the plunge and just say, you know what, y'all going to get these nails today. Yes. <laughs> y'all going to get these four inch heels or whatever, right? right? And so I think in a way it's, it's also an example to like Black women to say like, yo, show up as your authentic self. You know, like how if, if you, and I think, and I appreciate you also sharing about using the, the pronoun they, right? Because I've had conversations with some friends of mine about the pronoun they, but I so appreciated your perspective of, of, of sharing the, the, describing it as there are multiple versions of Kareem, multiple, and you might get this one today and another one tomorrow, and I might be back to number one, right? And so this idea that you exist on a spectrum, right? Like, and how you show up is on a spectrum. And I think that that's an example for some Black women who do feel like in professional spaces, I have to be, they have to get one version of me. Right. And if I give them another version, they don't deserve it or they won't appreciate it. And, and so I do think that there's this fluid sort of relationship where Black women can say, yeah, we've endured, but also you have LGBTQ community members who can say, you know what? There, there's a point in my life where I have to choose to show up and say, you're going to get this version of me today or a different one tomorrow. And so I do think that there's this fluid sort of relationship between the two where there's affirmations from both directions. Absolutely. And, I, I, and, and on that note of like, you know, being yourself, I think it's one thing my therapist said to me, shout out to my therapist, love her. Um, <laughs> What's my therapist? Season, but good job, therapist. Yes. What my therapist taught me is, yes, um, you want to be you, but you could be you safely. And, and that's specifically because I was going back to home to Jamaica, and I was just like being conflicted about whether I want to cut my nails and yada yeah, and I was just like going through it. And she was just like, I think you could be you, but be you safely. And I'm as we move through these institutions and these different spaces that aren't always traditionally welcoming of Black people, Blackness um, specifically, we could choose to be ourselves. Safe. So sometimes they don't deserve all this flavor, all this, all this culture, you. All, this, you know, all the, all the, the rah-rah that we come with and the rah-rah is good. Um, sometimes they don't deserve it because it's also sacred. I think our Blackness is divine and it's sacred too. 
um, mm -hmm. and they don't deserve it, but you could choose to be you and be you safe for you. And then just to, uh, to Fatima's point about Black women being at the forefront of a lot of movement, a Black trans woman is why we're able to celebrate pride in the way that we are able to celebrate pride. Um, and so shout out to Black women, however um, they identify and however they exist. And I think as it relates to just your point of whether or not you're leaving people out, I think just that consideration alone, um, when people say the thought is the thought that counts, sometimes it really is the thought that counts. So you guys having that discussion amongst yourselves and trying to figure out how to reach across and kind of like, I guess, you know, build that bridge that says, hey, it, however you identify as a within that realm of Black women and Black womanhood, you are welcomed here. So whether you're a Black trans woman, you're a gender non-conforming person that, in, that, that identifies as a woman um, at some point, you are welcome in this space. And I think just setting that intention and even setting that out there, like that's 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 how much you can control. Like you mm -hmm. you've set the you set the intention, you set the space, and whosoever will may come. That's that's kind mm -hmm. of how I see it. And I, I, I trust you guys. Preach, preach, preach. I know. Listen, preaching everything. And I think for me, the part I was curious about because I'm also Jamaican, right? So you're mm -hmm. taught a certain way, and the songs are very yeah. clear about where they stand on the LGBTQ community, right? But you have to think back on how long ago most of these songs were made, even though they're still popular today, you know, and I think being in a space where we're learning how to just respect people, like they're, everyone has their choice, right? And just being respectful of that journey. And I think between being a black woman and being an ally to the LGBTQ community, just realizing that we can relate on a lot of things because we're not always welcome in certain spaces. There's always judgment before you even open your mouth, kind of going back to your story, Kareem, about the little boys on the bus or the train, um, sorry, the train. It's different. They don't know. You can go to a rural area and this is the first time they're ever experiencing something like this. You go to a different country and you have to take their cultures into you know, into consideration while you're going there while still being yourself. And I think your therapist kind of was very spot on about that. Absolutely. Just be you, but be safe be, yeah. in those spaces. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all shaped by our, our experiences and perspectives, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and listen, we're, we're blackity black on here, right? So just to go all the way deep, it is, it is different for the black uh, you know, gay queer community because of the hyper masculinity that we place on black yeah. men or the, you know, the over sexualization that we place on black women. So in countries like Jamaica, black countries is much different from France where, you know, white men been gay and free forever. forever so I think that that's totally that that is a the dynamic too, that is with, um, that is that's with our our community is not just that you are a member of lgbtq population or that you have these thoughts or you're on this spectrum is that right. like everything else because you're black and it, it makes it 10 times harder to break through yep. with that and so remind to let, educate me when with pride month there is pride month and then there's black pride month or is it only one pride month so it's pride and depending on where you are, people are going to celebrate um, whenever they choose. So <laughs> historically, traditionally, the, the event with um, Marsha P. Johnson happened in June. And so they just kept it as the whole month of June as Pride Month. But if okay. you go to Atlanta, I, last year I was in Atlanta for Black Pride, which is usually around um, um, 
September. What's the holiday in September? Labor Day. Labor Day. Labor Day. And then like here in North New Jersey, Pride is in July, from July 11th to the 17th this year. Um, so it depends on where you go. Um, but yeah, some people really do try to be distinctive about Black Pride. And again, because even within the queer community where people are used to the discrimination and so on. So it's like within um, the community, there's discrimination as well. And you can imagine that Black people, Black queer people have been um, discriminated against and experienced racism and so on within the community. And so it's almost like a pushback to the general pride that you know we need our own Black pride. And so different cities will do that. I think DC has um, mm -hmm. Black pride. I was trying to make it out there this year, but I didn't. <laughs> I think um, it's Memorial Day. Yeah, Memorial Day. Um, I think in Detroit, maybe there's also Black Pride. Um, so yeah, different cities, depending on the population, especially will do like, you know, they'll be specific about Black Pride, which sometimes exists mm -hmm. outside of um, outside of uh, June, which is the, the usual Pride month. Mm -hmm. Right, that makes sense. So I want to know what your message is. Like if somebody was to listen to this and they were hearing our conversation, what is that take home message? That one thing you want to highlight, take home, remember it, don't forget it, put it in your mind and ingrain it from this podcast and what we're discussing today. Oh God, it feels so cliche, <laughs> but um, just be all of you, be all of you, like every bit of you, feel it, be it, love you, like just be all of you. Because I think especially now with all that we're going through, mm -hmm. the world needs people who aren't afraid to embrace every part of them, whether it's messy and emotional or like fierce and fabulous. Like every day I don't get up and I like, even with the nails done, I'm like, ugh, this again. <laughs> um, and then like, you know, like today I was walking through my, um, I work out of a co-working space and I was like, I don't care who's here. I was blasting um, some deep house music. Cause I was just like, I want to go outside. I want to dance. And this is what I'm going to do today. So be <laughs> and embrace all of you, whatever that looks like, whatever it's black and queer or black woman, whatever you are, whoever you are, just be and embrace all of you because the world needs that. The world needs to see people who aren't afraid to just be themselves and just love on themselves and embrace themselves. Mm -hmm. I know that's that's right. such a great message oh I also want to ask you know I know we probably are nearing the end of the episode but before <laughs> we do I do want you to share with people like like your research like the Dr. Yes. Kareem Willis like oh, yeah. who's that person <laughs> what does that person do where mm -hmm. where can they find that person and your podcast yeah absolutely um, so you can find me on all social platforms, including LinkedIn as the Kareem Willis. Um, I should come up. And then my podcast is called Fish Tea Podcast. And it's um, talking about the queer experience through um, from the Caribbean lens. So we do this thing called the Caribbean tour. We talk about the queer experience in different Caribbean islands. I grew up Jamaican. So the hosts are originally Jamaican. We talk about our experience navigating the world as queer Jamaicans. Um, it's a good time, a good key. Um, as research, I'm studying um, how we fund social justice movements and really talking about how we need um, foundations and people with money to do better and be better about mm -hmm. funding social justice oriented organizations. And so the, the title of my dissertation was Sustaining Safe Spaces, a Critical Exploration of the Relationship Between Foundation Funding and Capacity Building Within LGBTQ Identity 
um, identity-based nonprofit organizations. And it's my intention to extend that to look at organizations that serve exclusively Black women and girls, um, the Latinx community, and so on and so forth, because they got the money and they could do better. Yes. Um, yes. Probably reparations, if you will. Uh, you took the word out of my mouth. I was gonna say, <laughs> give, give up the money, okay? Yeah. You you owe it to us. Yeah, I was just sick of like telling nonprofits what they need to do better. I was just like, mm -mm, something's off here. It can't just be, you can't have all these talented, knowledgeable people and still not getting the money. Y'all need to do better. So I kind of shift focus because that's the lens I was going in. Like nonprofits need to be this and they need to be staffed by people with this type of degree. I was like, mm -mm, no, y'all need to do better. Y'all got the big purses and the big, and, and the and yes. <laughs> run that. So that's yes. what I said to Um and then outside of that, I like using, I like um, research that ex uses any type of critical perspective um, because again, I'm not here to uphold any of the traditional nonsense that we've been taught mm -hmm. in school. So anything qualitative, uh, anything that uses a critical lens and anything that is intersectional. So yes. anybody's out there and want to do work together, hit me up, let's talk. Yes, yes. Well, please let us know how we can help. While you were talking about um, just being being yourself, playing the music, giving them all of it, um, it was also a reminder to to accept that yourself um, as well and have that internal acceptance. Y'all know where I'm what I'm about to do because I, I got a book for everything. Yeah. So I was reading <laughs> <It really does. laughs> uh, Radical Acceptance, and it's it's a fairly old book, maybe twenty years old but it's based on these Buddhist principles about one, just the recognition of all of the things that are going on inside of you. But then the second piece is just acting with compassion for all of those things that you feel um, yeah. and just not going down this spiral of, you know, I'm, I'm wrong because of it. I'm bad because of it, or I'm a bad person. But if you can one, identify how you feel and accept it, then the next part is to have that compassion. So I think that's so um, important because in this harm that's been inflicted and this things that we have to unlearn part of that is learning how to just love ourselves which Absolutely. which is, is hard to actually do so Auntie Yala and I'm gonna just say because I know we need to wrap Auntie Yala said look if we knew better we would have done better that's it if you knew better <laughs> yep. at the time then you would have done better no matter how like hindsight is always 2020 and we're like is. oh well I should have we could have if you knew better, you would have done better. And you just had to trust yourself with that. That's yes. On that cool. note. So you're joining for the next bottomless mimosas, it sounds <laughs> like. You have me. <laughs> and we definitely need to show up with some some kind of cocktail or something. Right. We forgot yes. that part last time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we'll get on it. We are a work in progress and we have embraced it. We have radically accepted <laughs> ourselves. Um, but it's just, it's always a pleasure. Before we go, look, is Kampa on or is it not on this Kampa year? On. What's the um, tea? I think it's going to be in Baltimore. Ooh, um, oh. We can talk offline because the new president is seems to be with it. And remember the, the M word that we didn't like? She don't like it neither. So I think we okay. might be, they might be ready for us. They might be ready, ready for us. So I'm going to see. We got to talk offline because I'm clueless yeah. right now. We just got to talk. They might just say it's minority. Remember they, they, oh, M. Okay. Yeah, I thought you said word, N. Yeah. I heard N. Oh, no, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, well, I think they might be ready. 
for some real, real, real. So you might have to do talk. something. Maybe bring the podcast to Compa or something. Don't you think so? That would be dope. That's what I've been advocating for. Let's talk. Come on, live. Come on. <laughs> bring the mic. Yes. Yes. Taking the show on the road. Yeah. We promise we have our equipment together. <laughs> We That's need a crew. Way. Yes, we'll get it together. <laughs> we do, we do. Yes, well, we can't thank you enough. And um, we'll be sure to put all of the links to your podcast and Instagram and everything else, your dissertation research, if you want to share it, because yes. we just need so much of this type of um, authentic, we've used that word a lot, but just conversation mm-hmm. that is healthy and that we can all learn from without being in a, a judge a space of judgment and so we appreciate you being a friend and and having us as your friend and welcome again well not welcome again but thanks for being a leader of yes. the 10k community <laughs> thank you for joining kareem thank you kareem <laughs> Thanks for listening. Visit icomeasone.com for complete episode details and don't forget to like and share.